Now fashion should shift into quality. That's why artisans are that important. And not just quality, but uniqueness. Fashion should listen to the young people and to the new needs. I am Susie Menkes, and you are listening to my podcast, Creative Conversations. As a journalist reporting on the global fashion industry, I want to take you backstage and give you an insight into my world. Listen to my exclusive conversations with creatives, industry leaders, and those whose voices have some of the greatest impact. I think you might find it interesting and maybe intriguing. Within our fashion industry, there are many aspects, yet they are not always known. One integral part of luxury fashion is art direction, especially in the high-end sector. That is the focus for this episode. I would like to introduce my guest today, Antonio Monfreda, a name that many in the luxury world have on speed dial for curation or art direction. From dressing a room for an intimate dinner or fashion awards, to curating an exhibition, to the publishing of a book, producing a film or designing a store, an art director will be expected to work out a concept and create the vision or an experience for the brand or client to help connect with its audience. I last saw Antonio in Rome, working on a secret project with the Carla Fendi Foundation, and it's where I really got to see Antonio in action. Let's hear from the Italian who started out as a banker and left everything to follow his passion of being an art dealer and ultimately to where he is today, with an international career in exclusive storytelling. Antonio Monfreda, I am so pleased to see you here today. It's really exciting what you're doing because you're always doing something new. You are the one person in the fashion world who never seems to be worried about what is new and frighten you off. So how have you got in this position? Hello, Susie. Well, I think that the secret is to be next to young people and to listen to them. Before, when I was young myself, no one was listening in a meeting to young people. God knows why. Now it's completely the opposite. I listen to young people because they belong to something completely different. They were born with a telephone in their hands. I wasn't. They were born in looking into a screen and seeing a completely different imaginary from me, which was probably the high water in Venice or the country or the seaside in Italy. It's a completely different scenario. So I listen to them because I want to understand and I want to, you know, when you have to deliver new ideas, you need to have a better comprehension of the world nowadays. You know, Antonio, I'm fascinated by you as an art director. In fact, that's how I feel you can best be described as an art director of fusion and on fashion. And you want to shine a light on what you call art direction and curation. It's so important, yet so often happens behind the scenes. Will you tell me a bit about how you work and what you feel about it? 
Well, I would say that our direction is kind of fundamental. It's um, the global vision which allows to pull all together the different pieces of a project in order to communicate globally in a visual way. So you must have new ideas according to the designer, of course, or the curator. Uh, it depends if you are doing a campaign or if you are doing a designing an exhibition, it's different. And according also, and of course, to the general company mood. The art direction is unfortunately always limited by the budget. The budget defines the limit of where to stop and when you are allowed to go wilder. Even if sometimes it happened to me that I've been trying to do dreamy things with a small budget, so this budget doesn't define really uh, the success of an installation, of, of an exhibition, but it's about the ideas and it's about the creativity. You're one very rare, revered person in this field because you have such a varied and creative career. How important is art direction for a powerful fashion house? Is art direction absolutely must be done or is it something you just add on afterwards? It's absolutely fundamental. It must be done according to the creative director and according to the goals of the company. The only common denominator is when you work as an art director, it's your eye. So that makes the difference. But you have to listen according to who you are working with. And um, it's very funny because my experience, it has been very peculiar because I've been working for many different companies and all the time I had to understand entirely the mood of a company and who was who and who where was. And uh, each time, you know, if you were working for Valentino or if I was working for Missoni, they were two completely different worlds in terms of organization and in terms of mood, for sure. And that actually was completely different what you were about to deliver to them. You have got such a creative eye. You're quite different from many other people who try to do the same thing. Where do you personally find beauty? And does that resonate with your clients? <laughs> Believe it or not, I find beauty even in ugliness sometimes. But <laughs> the most inspiring place for inspiration, it's nature, for sure, in my opinion. It's very banal, but it's like that. Nothing can be more perfect of the shape of a shell, of the one of a flower. You know, they are beautiful and able to inspire and uh, you and create more beauty. There is something else that inspires me a lot, which is walking in the streets and looking at the people. I do very often these um, walks, uh, especially if I am in London. London inspires me a lot because it's all about street fashion and I love to look at the people and the way they dress and what they are wearing. So I am in between to be in a field for a long walk or in an international city as London or Rome or Milano. Yesterday you signed as creative director of a luxury agency specializing in fashion. Congratulations. Can you tell me a bit more? Well, I'm very excited because it's a precise decision and it's the first time that I link myself to one company, which it won't be in an exclusive way, 
but I will be and do most of my work with them. It's a startup which started, well, it's not a very young startup, but they are specialized in luxury and uh, fashion events. It's 170 people. They are based in Milano, and I will be the creative director for the whole group. The name is Fasten Seatbelt, which I thought it was, I love the humor in the name of the company. Fasten your seatbelt? Fasten Seatbelt. <laughs> well, that sounds, that sounds very clever, but you, you have been involved in so many really very famous people. You've worked for Bali, you've worked for Cartier, you've worked for Fendi, Missoni, Tiffany, and I'm sure many more. Do they actually all have something in common? Because they're all Italian or mostly Italian, and um, they all have the same idea of a vision. How do you make unique people feel that they have a special brand image, something that's different and has a creative effect? Do they rely on you to do it or do they have these things before you start? Well, in trying to give to them a new idea which underline and which make anything they are doing even better and more appealing. So this is the common link. Each company is different and through the years, also this idea of luxury changed so much. So if, for instance, working for Valentino was all about exclusivity, suddenly the word inclusive became the most important one. So each company has its own direction. And then, of course, there are changes which are according to the time. What I would like to know is how free you are to make choices for companies that are already established. Do they rely on you to have a new creative spirit? Do they tell you what they think you should do and you have to kind of develop their ideas? How does it work? Well, in these jobs, you're never really alone. There is a certain freedom at the beginning of uh, the idea when you start to develop an idea for them, whatever it's a book, whatever it's an installation or a fashion exhibition. But you are free to develop an idea, which is very often, if you are designing an installation relate or an exhibition related to the space you're working in. But of course, you have to consider very carefully the storytelling of a company and you have to be inside that borders and that limits. The identity, it's incredibly important and uh, together with the image and the goals they want to reach. So freedom is necessary in any creative process, but uh, creativity, very often it's about confrontation. I love to confront myself. Even when I have a new idea, I love to share and confront because when you create something new, you, you never know if it's going to work or not. I remember when um, uh, we were working at Valentino for the 45th anniversary. Uh, for, for the first time uh, in the first room, which was the glittery room of the exhibition, we hang over the walls the women, which is now a format that it has been copied so much. But at that moment was the first time that someone was putting mannequins on walls. And Valentino came and said, oh my God, that's horrible. They look like hanged women. I'm not coming to the opening. <laughs> Dramas. Then, of course, he loved it because, you know, when the light was positioned, when the right high was defined, when anything was set, he loved it. But at the very beginning, when you create something new, 
confront it's very important. I'm very interested in that you come up with the um, Valentino exhibition because I can remember it so well. It was so powerful. And um, it was 45th anniversary, wasn't it? it? It did leave an impact on me, as you said. And how can you do that? Because in the end, I always think it's hard for designers, fashion designers, however great they are, they're making clothes in the end. They're making dresses and they're making suits and whatever it is, shoes. So it isn't art as we understand it, is it? Which could be made from anything. Well, first of all, we were collaborating with uh, a great curator, which was Hamish Bowles. And Hamish was, you know, altogether we were choosing what to show. And when we arrived in Arapaches, which is the Richard Meyer building in Rome, where we were supposed to design this exhibition and, and there was an altar in the middle, a Roman altar, we had this idea of uh, deciding to separate all the Valentino scholars and doing some blocks. So we did the all-white like in a procession, gratings by all red on the two sides of the altar, and then passing the altars and transforming into the blacks. So the Valentino clothes, they became even more beautiful in all these spots of colors. And they had quite a sort of rigor, a rigorous work. And you would have told the rigorous work that there was behind. And that was very good not to mix them, but to separate them in colors. Now you started your career, Antonio, not as a somebody who was working on the side of creative and visionary things, but you started as a banker. Did you while away your working days at the desk, dreaming of a more creative career? Did you love being a banker? Are you good at counting money? What made you leap <laughs> from one to the other? Well, I was feeling totally trapped in something that was extremely interesting, but not mine. So I was like a fish out of water, and that wasn't a very nice feeling. But uh, I am absolutely a 100% visual person, and I took a huge risk in my 30s, so quite late, to change and transform my life into a different you know, career. And um, it was difficult. It was a very difficult moment. I was quite spaced out. But then I must say that I was right. And uh, one of my first job was, I was suddenly at the Metropolitan thinking of how to display Anglomania, if you will remember. Yes, I mean, it's really interesting to me because you have such an extraordinary ability to express yourself poetically. Does everything for you come from words and languages? I think it's very related to the instinct. I express definitely myself better, and you can also tell it probably now, by images and not by words. <laughs> so words are complementary to an image. But I'm able to create a new image with my camera or I'm able to capture that moment or to develop an imaginary through an installation. But it's, uh, it's the high who speaks for you and, 
actually take independent decisions. And you, you've also come near my world, I suppose, because um, with the Cabana magazine, you're one of the intellectual editors and founders of Cabana. And um, it's a, what would we call it, a collectible biannual magazine. And it certainly specialises in extraordinarily in art and beauty and interior designs. Is it very much a magazine that you believe in, that your heart and soul is in? Cabana was, it is, an extraordinary success. Martina Mondadori created a magazine which is now just after 10 years, because we started 10 years ago. She was able to transform a biannual magazine into a brand. Cabana now is a brand. It's incredibly popular, especially in America, but all over Europe too. At the very beginning, we know what Martina, she wanted to, she wanted to communicate. It was this mix of coziness and grand. And these two elements combined, they created a sort of magic balance that could be also defined a sort of style, actually a cabana style. And I'm the international editor, and I'm very proud of this project because we were very few at the very beginning. It was Guido Taroni, me, Christopher Rall, Barbara Spinelli, and of course, Martina Mondadori. And uh, we were able to create a mood. And um, this magazine now, it's collectible and it's an incredible success. I'd love to know your feelings about Venice because I know that you now are living in Rome, but your heart and soul seems to be Venetian. There's so much savoir-faire and beauty mixed together. You know, I was just there and I um, visited a violin maker's studio. It was so heart-rending to see this person in this tiny area making these beautiful things by hand. How can we keep a future for those artisans? Well, artisans are key at the moment because they are very much part of the answer to what luxury means at the moment. They are absolutely important. If you have artisans, you have treasures. I'm convinced of that. And they are the essence of the luxury industry. The word luxury evolved so much in the years and is not anymore, as we were saying before, about exclusivity. But there is a luxury that it's different. It comes from the craftsmanship, from uh, what we call il fatto a mano, the handmade. It's also nice to think that the word artisan, it's a word that contains in itself, as a roof, the word art. So artisan, it's really the person who is able to manage the art and the ability, the craftsmanship, but the, the art. And uh, I find it that they are fundamental figures. And I wonder why Sylvia Fendi actually did one of her last fashion shows in Florence inside the factory of the company where there are all these artisans working every day to create super exclusive products which are the object of the desire. Well, of course, there we're talking about Fendi and we're talking about a, a rare story of a family business that's actually got somebody from the family still around, even though they don't actually... They're French. Yes. There's a famous <laughs> quote about fashion, and this is what it says about family businesses, and I suspect it applies to other things than clothes. The first generation makes it, the second generation takes it, 
and the third generation breaks it. Is that fair to say that? I must say we have come to a period in Italy um, in fashion when we see names that I've known since I started to um, write about Italian fashion. And um, we see that these companies are often for sale, moving over, not necessarily kept by the original founders. Definitely, there is. We, we, we've been assisting to such a shifting in the years of these companies, but most of them, they became French. They're French now. But it's very difficult to answer this, this question because it's also related to where fashion stands at the moment. It's quite in a difficult position right now because of sustainability, because of the market, because of the Asian market, because of uh, the moment that doesn't necessarily require a logo. Chic, it's not related to a, a logo, actually the opposite. So... I would say that style is an expression of your state of mind, of your personal philosophy. It can be controversial because it's style is incredibly personal. It depends from your culture, education, the mood, but you know, style stands from itself in, in any occasions. So fashion is quite out of fashion at the moment for some reasons. And it's quite a, a strong thing to say, but... Uh, it needs to adapt and needs to adapt to something which is incredibly difficult, which is sustainability. Fashion, it's not sustainable because as we used to think at fashion in the past, it was there to create every single day a new desire. But now fashion should shift into quality. That's why artisans are that important and not just quality but uniqueness fashion should listen to the young people and to the new needs you know for instance believe it or not the only way to be sustainable in fashion is to create couture because you don't create a waste so it's like if all these collections are not necessary anymore because are fundamental you know but the whole idea it's going some, somewhere else. You have the advantage of being multi-talented and somebody, Antonio, who you seem to be able to find hidden gems that other people haven't quite understood. I'd love to know, do you have a kind of secret network that you've built up over the years? It must otherwise take so much research. Or do people come to you and talk about their new ideas? It has been about traveling so much, looking at so many books, getting inspired by many, many things and without limits, and being interested in uh, uh, many artistic way. Art, first of all, and contemporary art as well. Sometimes art, it's incredibly useful because even through ugliness, it's able to open to you new windows and to look at new landscape. Uh, as fashion, I love fashion because fashion is able to create each time something new, uh, a new concept, a new way to wear something, a new color, a new mood. And that's what fascinated me of fashion. In the meantime, you know, it's very hard to be seated and look at all these mannequins passing in front of you, 
you need to approach nowadays to fashion in a different way, also in the storytelling, even in fashion shows. It's beautiful to create fashion shows now because you can tell a piece of the history of the house while you're showing your dresses. You're now doing this new project, which we don't really know so much about. Is this something where you want to display what you feel is your own commitment to a certain type of things connected with fashion, connecting with a generation, a new generation? What's your heart saying about this new job that you're taking on? Well, that I would love to create a new concept for, for the companies, to create beautiful installations, to create beautiful fashion shows, to make uh, fashion vibrance and the expression of uh, the luxury. What is interesting for me is that uh, once again, I won't be able to work for one company, but I will be able to work for many companies and many different companies. So I will keep my usual format to approach different moods each time and not be stuck in one company, but to being able to help uh, through my vision, different companies, different um, labels, different targets, because it's nice to, to be able to bring anything you saw through your experience and transform it into the work. Your heart is in Venice, your home is in Rome, but do you also feel like somebody of the world, or certainly a fashion person that applies to the world, or do you feel that you are very Italian in the best possible way? Yes, definitely. <laughs> I'm very Italian. I'm very Italian and um, I'm an Italian who have a look on the international scene because also that's the way I grew up because I studied in London uh, when London was still Europe, when London was uh, probably a different place. And um, it was an incredibly international city, and it is the most international city of Europe, which is not Europe anymore. Do you actually feel that the Europeanism of the world has been scarred mentally as well as actually by the dreaded Brexit? Or have you found a way to work around it? England, for me, it has been always uh, an island. You feel it, you feel it in the air. When you cross a, you know, a bridge in London, you feel the smell of the sea. So you feel you are in an island. And probably England, it's not London. And um, for instance, when we were doing uh, 500 of fashion at Chatsworth, I used to fly from Rome to Manchester. And I used to take lots of taxis to go from Manchester airport to Chatsworth. And each time I had a different taxi driver. And that was the moment, 2017, of a passage to Brexit. And they were all so excited about Brexit and about being independent from Europe. And I was listening to them because I was, you know, determined to understand the reasons. The more I was talking to them, the more I was understanding that London, it's not England in a way. London became a sort of different place now. Lots of people are moving and um, even because of the flex tax that are coming to Italy, a lot of foreigners are in Milano, a lot of foreigners are in Rome. The energy is, of course, changing. What doesn't change in London, it's, as I told you before, it's what you see in the streets. I'm fascinated about the street fashion of London and how 
people are able to mix the looks and create new ideas always? Well, throughout the world, I think it's a generational thing that um, everywhere the young are coming forward with their ideas pushing ahead. And do you find equally that the brands, fashion brands, are coming to you to connect with the next generation, to connect with them, to really be close to them? The new arrivals seem to me to be so much more aware of looking after the planet. And are you part of that spirit or do you belong to, I won't say the past, but to something that um, you've known for a long time? I try to be very now. And what excited me mostly of this new, for instance, experience that I'm going to face in the next month, it's that I will be in touch with super young people that are art director, creative director, and, you know, graphic designer, and they are full of ideas and will be, it's going to be wonderful to be next to them and to learn to them and to understand what and where they are going. So I'm very excited about that. And I always been with young people because it's an energetic thing. It's they're able to give you back a lot as well as I am able to give to them probably my experience and a little bit of knowledge, which comes from my past experiences, for sure. Of course, they are a completely different generation. They are scared of climate changing and they are serious about that. They are very serious about sustainability. They are very determined in quality, you know, and they are looking after quality. I have this experience because I am brand curator of uh, this small brand, uh, which is named Tivioli. And they have a laboratory with 28 people working in Torino, which are artisans. The designer is incredibly young, he inherited this company, is in his 30s. And I listen to him and I listen the way he organizes his way of shops, for instance. He does pop-up stores all around the world. He invests a lot on the sales online. It's a completely way of approaching fashion industry and the luxury industry. Antonio Manfreda, you have so many ideas. You're so willing to be part of the new, the next generation. I can't wait to see what you're going to do next. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you, Susie. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Antonio. It's so interesting to hear how you approach each project and the varied campaigns you work on. Art direction is a skill, and it is interesting how the whole of luxury industry depends on it to provide an experience for its clients and customers. It's refreshing to hear how you make a point of listening to the next generation, finding the new language to communicate visually. And also, good luck with your new venture at Fasten Seatbelt Creative Agency. Creative Conversations with Susie Menkes is produced by Natasha Cowan, music by Jörg Zuber, graphics by Paul Wallace, and edited by Tim Thornton. To find my articles, visit susiemenkes.com and susiemenkes on Instagram. If you've enjoyed the podcast, then please do rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. You can find me on all the usual channels. Music